just that idea of meeting weekly together, that accountability built in. We've almost always said, yeah, we understand you have hard schedules, but the group, the groups really are supposed to meet every single week. You know, life happens, but making that commitment um, is important. Welcome podcast listeners. This is another episode of the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ, who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. So recently I got to catch up with Megan O'Brien, who is an associate site pastor with the Gathering United Methodist Church in St. Louis. Uh, she's the site, associate site pastor at McCausland. She was the Connections pastor and is heavily involved in their small group ministry. She's in seminary currently, and she is a layperson. I also want to give a big uh, thanks to Amy Sigmund, who helped make the connection with Megan, and also a big word of congratulations to Amy, who recently gave birth to a baby girl, Molly. So congratulations, Amy, and thanks for connecting us with Megan O'Brien. So without any further ado, here is my interview with Megan. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being willing to be a part of the podcast. I know this is going to be a fun podcast for our listeners. Uh, You are at The Gathering in St. Louis. Of course, uh, St. Louis is notorious now in United Methodist land. We'll kind of leave that off and push that aside for a minute. Um, And just talk about small groups, or as y'all call it, core groups, right? So tell us more about The Gathering, about the church, and then how core groups fit into your church uh, as a plan for making disciples. Right. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I have, we, I, like you said, I'm at the gathering in St. Louis. Um, we are about uh, 12 years old as a church, um, multi-site church here in St. Louis area. I um, have about three sites right now and working on a couple more. Um, and I have been um, with the church for almost since the beginning and um, have been part of our, what you named it our core group ministry which is our small group ministry um, almost since the beginning I'd have, I've had different relationships with that ministry um, um, throughout its history but like currently I am helping with um, the team that's running our ministry and doing um, curriculum or content for our groups every week okay so that, that leads into one question in particular since you do content what's the content what's the curriculum Yeah, good question. It's evolved a lot. Like the ministry itself has evolved over the years. Um, Right now, um, we are doing something different this year. For the first, most iterations of core groups have done um, something along the lines of following what sermon series we are doing. So the questions often are based on um, the sermons themselves, the scriptures surrounding those sermons. You know, we veered off now and then and have done book studies. Um, This past year, and I say year, we do a school calendar follow a school calendar for our our groups. And so since September, we've been mixing it up a little and concentrating more on the Bible study aspects Mm. of of group life together. So we'll take the scriptures sometimes that follow uh, the series that we are in. So it'll follow the scripture you'll hear on a Sunday in worship, but we'll deep dive into that scripture. Um, but like right now, we're doing a Lenten study that um, is based on a devotional that was written by our congregation. And so um, loosely, again, you'll hear some of the days of the Lenten study will be 
scriptures that you'll hear in church on the weekend, but a lot of it is um, off topic or again, dives deeper into um, the themes of Lent. Um, So it it varies this year. I said, we're kind of experimenting a little bit with what our curriculum looks like. It has been fun to uh, challenge our groups to do something besides just talk about the sermons, because that's what most of them like to do, (laughs) but we want to challenge them to grow in new ways and um, thinking about what that looks like has been fun. All right, good. So, so lots of questions there. So what, tell us a little more about what makes a core group and how many do you have? Yeah, we should, probably should have started there. Um, a core group for us is a small group of people that gets together once a week. Um, and they usually are made up of, I would say, 8 to 12 to 14 people. We max out around there. Um, and they meet for an hour to hour and a half every week. Um, sometimes they do meals together, but most of the time they just, like I said, study the scripture together and um, have fellowship and um, yeah, just again, try to figure out how to do um, to faith in a, a way outside of Sunday mornings, uh, hold each other um, up to new standards and just kind of incorporate faith into their life um, on a weekly basis. So how many groups do you have and how does that compare then with attendance? Um, currently, we have about, I want to say 65 groups, I think, wow. um, about 600 people in, in uh, groups, and um, it, it equates to probably about roughly oh, 40 to 50% of our average wow. attendance. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's been good. Now, I can, I can hear people as they hear that many groups, like people's heads are like popping off, like, <laughs> oh my word, how, how do you do that, right? How do you get that? Let's focus more on the percentage than the number. So how did, tell me how y'all promote groups, how you encourage or invite people into groups. We have been um, unabashedly since the beginning of the church. Um, we say that if you're going to do one other thing besides worship, you should do a small group. You okay. should do um, a core group. It's one of our five practices that we lift up. Hmm. Um, learn Worship is one of the practices and learning and community is number two. We okay. say if you should grow as a disciple, we think learning um, in community, learning in a small group is, is one of the things uh, that uh, again is, is, is essential to a faith life. And so we've just always promoted that way and used the language. Um, so it's, kind of written into the DNA of the church. Um, obviously, it doesn't work for everybody with their schedules, but, um, you know, we just continually put it in front of people as an option. And so if you're in a season of life that you are able to do it, um, it, it ends up being a valuable tool, um, yeah, to increase your faith. So do participants, when they agree to be a part of a core group, do they commit to one group for one year or how does that work? Um, it varies. We um, have always wanted to remain flexible in that we know, again, different seasons of life and different um, times you might be able to commit to one group or not. And so we ask that you try it for a while. So I can't, we like to commit it, like to compare it to dating a little bit. I have an analogy before. You're not the yeah, first. Yeah, you're welcome to try a couple of groups, um, you know, see what works in your schedule, see who you click with, because sometimes it is about group chemistry. Um, sure. But I always like to say, you know, give it more than one week because sometimes <laughs> that first time isn't always a, a good indication. always awkward, just like a first date. Exactly. <laughs> exactly like a first date. Um, so I encourage people to try it at least twice, but um, often you know uh, whether or not a group's going to work for you or not. Um, and some groups all together don't work. You know, we start off the season um, with a lot more than we 
you know, then we end up even with in December and we have to kind of regroup and say, okay, what worked, what didn't work? Um, how can we relaunch groups or uh, reformulate them so that they um, have a better success in the future? So you said you keep, you keep this in front of people and you, you help them to know this is one of the faith practices. How does your, your pastor, when they're preaching, how does, uh, how does that invite people into a small group life? Um, it's, I would say regularly incorporated into sermon language. Um, you know, at least once in every series, sermon series will have some sort of, you know, challenge for people to, to grow or to remember that, you know, we're called to, um, love one another. And so how do you practice that? You practice that by being in community with one another. Um, I mean, that's just one example. It's just, again, part of the language that we use. Um, you can tie it to, you know, Jesus had a small group of people that he hung out with regularly um, and did life with. And so there's just a lot of ways that we throw it into our sermons on a fairly regular basis. And then obviously work it into other parts of our worship service as well and invitations for next steps, um, especially with new people. We're constantly um, trying to get, uh, people new to the church connected. And so one of the ways that we, we do that is by offering them a small community of people to be a part of in a core group. Good. So it sounds like you're very intentional about yes. keeping it uh, not just in written form, but in ver verbal form as well. So tell us, since you've been doing this for what, over a decade now, so uh, as a church, mm -hmm. so tell us what you've learned, what's changed about how core groups work. Um, I think that flexibility part I said was important for us to um, to kind of lay out from the beginning because we, we're a church that constantly is changing and so we've had to say okay yeah what works and what doesn't work and um, one of the things we learned early on is that it's hard for um, one person or we, you know often it would be like our discipleship director was over all of our groups and it's hard for them to keep tabs mm -hmm. on on groups and see what's happening and so developing leaders has been really essential um, okay. So we've developed a whole leadership structure, and that's what we're leaning into again in this new season that we're in, um, where we have um, leader, leaders even leading other leaders. And so, you know, we have 12 to 14 what we call coaches right now, and those coaches each have four or five groups and t uh, group leaders that they um, come alongside, uh, help coach through different situations if the group's having trouble with something, or even just to be in prayer for them, encourage them. Um, just be able to check in with them. And so it's, we've kind of created a, a structure of leadership that allows, um, yeah, allows groups to, to be who they are, but also kind of keeps, um, allows us to, to understand what's actually going on in the groups and what's working and what's not working. Um, and it allows people not to fall through the cracks too. I mm -hmm. think that there's a lot of, um, sometimes pastoral care things come up. And so if you have leaders in place, who can say, hey, this is going on with so-and-so and be able to pass those, those concerns along if necessary, obviously with accountability and confidentiality um, kept in mind. But um, it's just a way to, yeah, again, just create, create community on a, on a layered basis. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'm not sure I answered your question on what we've learned, but I think that all kind of emerged as we started. And I think we, we began saying, oh, let's just do small groups where we <laughs> get together. And you yeah. kind of learned that it was, it's a deeper thing. It's a way we say, as we've grown bigger, it's a way to stay smaller. Um, yep. So it became even more important that we have groups as the church grew, 
core groups became that much more essential because it is, again, the way that people feel connected. Um, it's a way that they can practice their faith. It's a way they don't, um, they get to actually meet people, um, get to understand what faith is about. And so, yeah, it's played an important role in the growth of the church as well. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I heard several things there. One is just the importance of relationships, mm-hmm. right? Of it's belonging to, to each other. Um, and then the structure of, of leadership, right? That it, you know, it's not just one person trying to carry the mantle and being the champion. It's there's layers of, of yeah. coaching. There's layers of leadership, layers of pastoral care and a, a flow, a direction in which information goes. That's you know, that, when we talk about that number of small groups, there's got to be something right to help undergird right. that. You didn't just say, hey, let's do 60 small groups and throw it out there and <laughs> right. Yeah. No. In fact, you can't do that unless you have, like, we can't start a group unless you have a leader. And obviously, I think most uh-huh. churches struggle with that. Um, yeah. I would guess. More about that. Yeah. Well, you struggle with, A, people don't want to necessarily see themselves as leaders sometimes. Right. There's a challenge in the way you ask and the way you um, encourage, the way you provide people tools for success. Um, and so that that has been sort of probably the biggest issue over the years is okay. we can only grow so much as we have leaders to, mm, like to, it, yeah. um, to make it happen um, because each group needs needs a leader. And, um, and that person, you know, facilitates um, the group, makes sure they're organized and communicates. But also, like we said, we want them to be a person that shepherds and, and cares for their people or um, at least uh, if, at least creates an environment where that can happen, whether or not they, they don't have to carry that all themselves, but they're creating an environment where people um, are known and they are caring for one another. Um, so, yeah, so that, I, think, I think that's been the biggest, the biggest challenge is identifying leaders. And, and so figuring out along the way how to raise up new ones, um, how to have the leaders of groups start identifying other people in their group who could lead a group. That's been really um, something we've had to learn and encourage leaders to do. Um, and then now, like, yeah, just we've become a little more formalized in how we're training and, um, and leading and encouraging, like I said, with this coach model and um, a few other uh, it, ways that we're training that have been helpful. Um, so is there a specific training program that they have to complete in order to be for certified or qualified as a leader? Not necessarily. Um, we we ask them to um, come to, like, we have two training events at the beginning of each semester okay. um, that have, uh, they give them, again, like, logistical tools that they need, but it's also really just a time for them to have, uh, to kind of get in touch with their own, um, their own gifts and uh, the ways that God um, is going to enable them to lead. It's become sort of an encouraging um I keep using that word encouraging, but it's become a place that they can just see themselves as a leader um, and and reflect on what what God might have in store for them and be able to be prepared to be used by God. Um, but again, and then along the way, we give them, you know, we give them a curriculum, we give them tips on how to actually facilitate, we give them um, different ways that we can go do ongoing training throughout the year. Um, but no, there's no like set requirements necessarily uh, just a willing heart and someone who's yeah ready to to be used by god yeah i think you're right in that some so many people are convinced they can't be a leader even though they might be a leader at work or in their home right. seeing themselves as a leader in the church just seems like a huge obstacle you actually answered my next question my next question was going to be 
what's the biggest obstacle you face? Well, you've named that, right? <laughs> so I'll flip the question then. Okay. What's been the biggest celebration that y'all had, right? Something that y'all would lift up and say, well, this just really made us know we were on the right track when this happened or when we saw this happen or when this many leaders came on board or this many groups, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to help you brainstorm there since I'm asking a question out of the blue to you. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Well, any particular celebrations come to mind about a uh, small group ministry or core group? Um, no, I think all of those things. I think the growth of it ha- is just a celebration that it has been a ministry that's sustained. And I think because we have, allowed ourselves to be a little bit flexible and a little bit um, able to self-correct sometimes. And even now we're going into, I I don't know if I said this, but a new phase of like trying to imagine what's next for the ministry. Um, It's just, I think it's just the celebration that God is at work in people's lives. Like we hear all the time um, stories of people who, you know, maybe lose a family member and their core group comes around them and brings them meals or shows up at the, um, at the service or, um, people are having new babies and we don't even know about it as a pastoral staff sometimes because someone else has, you know, already again, set up an entire meal train and delivered, um, them gifts. And, you know, we, you know, it's, it's the celebration is that life, in community it's happening um, and it's not dependent on um, on the staff and fully and it's not dependent on uh, certain leaders in the church that it's um, just organic and people are feeling um, connected to one another and connected to God in really powerful ways and so I don't know if that's one celebration it's just exciting every time we get to hear a story of a core group um, yeah doing doing life together but also um, someone stepping up into leadership or someone uh, taking a new job because their, their group prayed about it with them and talked with them about it for five weeks. And, and so uh, we are regularly hear those regularly hear those stories. And that just, um, I think that's the fruit that is important. And yes, numbers are great too, but again, it's, it's that um, yeah, those small little ways that God is at work that we get to, to witness. Yeah. We were talking beforehand about, you know, how do you measure this stuff, right? I mean, how do you measure, but it's, it's those qualitative stories, right? I mean, when you, when you get to see ministry happen and, and without staff intervention, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's such a win, right? You know, it's like you are then helping to grow disciples who are discipling others by nature, just doing it. Yes. You know, you have to kind of point out, Hey, you're doing this stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you're being a leader. Yeah, exactly. And so we've built, we're trying to build in, I mean, our, our staff has a culture of celebration, like at almost at the end of every meeting, we say, okay, where did you see God at work this week and celebrate that. And so we're encouraging our leaders to do that as well. Um, just look for those times where, you know, where something was successful in their group or somebody did, you know, have a revelation. I mean, it can be little, it can be big. Um, yeah. So it, it's it, an important it, question. Absolutely. Right. And uh, I'm glad you said that. That was something I used to do in, in meetings in the local church level that I probably should do here too. And mm-hmm. that is in every meeting, ask, where are we seeing God at work? Because if we can't answer that, yep. well, that's a different conversation. Yep. <laughs> but if, but when we are seeing it, well then what does that mean for the rest of our meeting, right? That mm-hmm. God is working in these ways. What do we, what should we do in light of that? So yeah, that's, that's really important. I'm glad you, glad you lifted that up. Yeah. So you, you kind of hinted at this. What, what's next? You said y'all are, you know, continuing to learn and grow, and uh, what's what's next for y'all for for the gathering with regard well, to groups? 
It's kind of um, to be determined a little bit. Um, but one of the challenges that um, we have had is that we've kind of stalled out in growth in our groups, that mm-hmm. our attendance has grown and our group size has, our, our groups in number have not necessarily grown over the last um, year or two. We've plateaued. And so we are looking at why and just kind of formulating some type of, you know, some hypotheses around that, but then really just saying, okay, so, you know, God is maybe asking us to re-envision what core groups look like. And I think the, the essence of them will stay the same, but we're um, really going to lead in, lean into this leadership development even more. Um, this was the first year since um, we had an early iteration of the coaching model, and then it kind of went away. And this coaching model uh, just got brought up again this last, okay. um, over the last six months. So rethinking about what that looks like, how we're training our leaders, because I think that's essential. We're also going to th- um, look at how, what our curriculum um, is. Mm. So we're trying to challenge people to think outside of just, um, you know, hey, what do you think of the sermon? And what do you think of this Matthew 25 passage? You know, so, um, but um, we have groups that want to go deeper, they say. And so what would it look like for those groups to, um, to maybe spend, you know, three months really like working through um, an epistle or, you know, trying to um, give groups options potentially for, for um, depth of study and depth of growth that way. Um, And then also the on-ramps to people joining a group. Like I said, that language has always been there, you know, you should do a group, but, um, but as we get new people, how do we continue to um, connect them to groups and connect them to, um, to communities that will be um, helpful for them in their, in their discipleship. Um, I think we just always have to be thinking about that because just throwing out an invitation on Sunday morning, Hey, you should do a group doesn't always work. And so how do we um, intentionally invite people into that at different points along their journey? Um, Cause actually we're finding a lot of people who that sometimes it's the new people who do join groups or um, but it's the people who've been around a really long time and used to do one and now they're not doing one anymore. And so how do you um, kind of reinvigorate people to want to be a part of a group? Um, Because we do, again, think that's the most important thing you can do outside of worship. Um, It's life-giving. And so how do you reframe that so that um, everybody feels um, that it's, that it's essential? Um, yeah, so I don't know what it looks like, but I know we're asking those questions, and I'm excited to see what God's going to reveal um, over the next few months. One of the questions I, I forgot to ask earlier earlier that may be pertinent now mm. is um, how does the way Wesley used to do small groups with bands, societies, and so yeah. forth, how, does, how did that inform how you do groups, and, and how might that help going forward? Yeah, well, I think it was definitely at the um, core of our core groups from the beginning, just this idea that you, um, I mean, Wesley groups, they, that the groups were as important, if not more important than worshiping. I mean, that was, that was where the rubber met the road. And so we, um, just that idea of meeting weekly together, that accountability built in. um, And we've almost always said, yeah, we understand you have hard schedules, but the group, the groups really are supposed to meet every single week. Um, You know, life happens, but making that commitment um, is important. It's important for the, for each individual, but it's important for the health of the group as well. And um, so that's been um, part of that. Uh, part of the DNA there and just even the size of them, like trying to keep them to, um, to kind of that sweet spot of like eight to 12 people um, was, was um, part of the way we established them. And one of the things um, that I 
I did this year, I introduced um, what we call a revolve question at the end of okay. of our meetings. And so after you go through your studies or Bible study or whatever the um, curriculum is for that week, there's uh, one question that you ask every single week of every single person. Um, and quite a few, they were able to choose, each group chose which, which revolve question they wanted. Okay, so they had options. Yes, they did. But three or four of them were Wesleyan questions like, like (laughs) how was it with your soul? Um, Or we, you know, where did some sort of like, where did you see God at work this week? That one we talked about earlier. Um, And so we asked them to choose that. And so then they they are um, back to the idea of uh, if you're constantly asking those questions, then you um, are starting to look for that during the week because you know you're going to be asked that the following week. Um, so I, that, that in my mind was fairly Wesleyan that there's this, you know, every week that there's certain things that you're being held to. Um, there's uh, standards and accountability that are built into that. And just in that, again, that idea of encouraging one another to see God. Um, and so that was this idea that like you called it revolve because you're doing, um, a revolution every week. Okay. <laughs> but I, my hope, my hope is that as you're revolving around this question, you're evolving mm-hmm. that like each time you do it, you're different than the time before your faith has grown a little bit more. You now are looking for God a little bit more. Um, so this, it, it's been, um, yeah, that was just a, a new addition we added this year that kind of echoed some of the Wesleyan ideas. I like that. Yeah, that's very helpful. Well, this has been very helpful. Any last bit of wisdom that you want to impart for for churches that are struggling with small group ministry or not sure how to take their small group ministry to the next level? Any last words of wisdom? No, I mean, I know it seems overwhelming to just even even start. Um, I, I want to say before we launched core group ministry, we did a few other things or, you know, we, um, for um, a a sermon series for like six weeks, everybody, we just invited people to be part of, of a group that met in coffee shops around the city. Um, so kind of starting with that idea of just getting some people around a table and then hoping that um, it launches into something more long-term that has worked for us. And again, with these ways to connect people, we've done a few different ideas there of just, um, yeah, having a short-term class, a four week class, maybe okay. where you're yeah, like a taster teachers. of it. Hmm? Like a taster. Exactly, exactly. And then get people, maybe even intentionally invite people to be um, at the same table together in hopes that they will form connections and then that can um, then invite them to continue to meet together maybe for another four weeks and another four weeks. And um, so we do a lot. We even still do that kind of thing. Oh, good. Um, Yeah, yeah. Just again, as ways to invite people into the ministry. Um, So I would say, yeah, just start with a few groups, um, you know, identify three or four people that you can, that are leaders, um, and just begin with that encouragement of leadership as well. Um, invite people into that step. Um, and it's pretty awesome that the things that can happen. It is right. I mean, that's, that's why we're we're the champions for, for small group ministry, right? Is when you see it work well, you can stand back and go, yeah, God, God is still working through this, right? This is, Mm -hmm. this is a means in which God, does incredible things and it's 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 so amazing that we get to watch and see be a part of and yeah very cool well megan this is very helpful i appreciate your time appreciate what you're doing and uh, thanks again for your wisdom absolutely thanks for having me well i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did getting to know more about core groups at the gathering and how they structure their groups i 
the few things that I took away from that um, was the the their biggest obstacle uh, is leadership development, which I, I think I hear a lot of. I was glad to, to, for her to name that and also to encourage others as they grow their small group ministry to be very mindful of growing leaders, even though that can be a slow, messy process, to, to do that hard work to help build an infrastructure to make sure small groups grow and grow well. I also like how she talked about the revolve questions and how those change from time to time, and she gives options for the groups. I thought that was that was helpful. I really enjoyed enjoyed that. I'm, I'm sure there are other things you enjoyed as well. And if there was, I hope you'll drop me a line about it. I hope you'll reach out to me. And I also give some suggestions for what you would like to hear in the future. You can reach out to me. My email address is shughes at umcdiscipleship.org. You can also find me on Twitter at Rev Scott's Tweets, also at UMC Adult Form for Adult Formation. Uh, we want to be as interactive as possible, so uh, please make sure and, and reach out there or on Facebook. You can also find more information for more of our resources at Discipleship Ministries on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And so I want to give uh, credits to, to those who helped make this possible. Uh, big shout out to Blake, our technical director, Matt Carlisle, our web producer, and Steve Horswold Johnson, our executive producer. And so until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.